Podcasting from Heroes Media Group with real, relevant, and raw opinions. This is the College Sports Hour with your host, Clint McPherson, and co-host, Greg Dixon. What's up, guys? You're listening to Episode 5 of the College Sports Hour, and we'll be talking about all the madness that went down during Week 6 of the 2018 college football season. I'm your host, Clint, and I'm sitting here with my co-host, Greg. On this episode, guys, we'll be talking about how the Top 25 fared over the weekend, who took care of business, who didn't take care of business, how, how any of those upsets or losses impact their seasons moving forward, and address any final thoughts or surprises we might have from Week 6. We'll also talk about the new top 25 rankings that came out today through the AP poll, highlight some important Week 7 matchups, and address who we have on upset alert heading into Week 7. So without further ado, what is up, my man? Hey, hey, man. How you doing? Hope everybody's doing well. It's good to see you. Hope you've had a fantastic weekend. Yeah, man. That, that right there, um, That I know if you watch college football, you definitely had a fantastic weekend unless you were one of those seven ranked teams this weekend that got upset. I feel like this was absolutely the craziest weekend of college football that we have seen to date. Man, I would I would agree to that one just for the simple fact that, again, I will repeat, seven ranked teams. <laughs> and all of them got beat by teams that were ranked either, either you know lower than them in the polls or weren't ranked at all. So it was one of those things that, man, it was, when I say madness, it was madness. Just when you think you start to get a handle on what the season's starting to look like, just when you start to believe that you're starting to get an idea of who teams are and who teams aren't, man, they come in here and they change the questions before they ever even ask them, man, this uh, man, this game right here got a little crazy this weekend. <laughs> I'd agree. All right, brother, before we jump in, I want to make sure that everybody knows we are officially on iTunes, so please check us out on iTunes. We're also on Google Play Music, and we also have a playlist on YouTube, and all of that can be found under College Sports Hour. So what do you think about that, brother? We are officially on iTunes and Google Play Music. That's pretty cool. Man, it actually feels like we're a real deal now. We're not just kind of like your mom and pop out there in the garage or anything like that, man. This is a real deal, man. It's very cool, man. Appreciate you getting it hooked up. Thank you to Heroes Media Group getting us on with them as well, man, and really excited about where this thing's headed. Yeah, man. Working. I had, last week, I spent a little bit of time working through some issues. Um, with Adam Bird, you know, we had we got the RSS feed like I announced on our last um, podcast, and we went for it, we uploaded it, and man, only three episodes were shown out of our four, and so we had to work through a little bit of the issues, but man, everything is up now, four episodes are live, this is the fifth episode, and I'm excited, man. Hey, man, we want everybody to go out there. Make sure you find us on on uh, iTunes or Google Play or wherever, man. Subscribe so it comes right to your feed every single week. You ain't even got to look for it. It'll be right there for you. Give us a five-star review, man. Let us know that you like us. If you don't like us, uh, still give us a five-star review. <laughs> I'm with you on that one, man. We need all the love we can get. I mean, we're having fun. We're enjoying ourselves. We're, again, like we said last week, there's still people giving us po positive reception. I hooked up with a guy last week, I want to believe, on the Facebook Live that you know I served in the military with, Josh Humphrey. And, man, he's he's an awesome guy. He's a Florida Gator, um, unfortunately. But, man, he, he's definitely he's asking for apparel already, man. He, he's excited about it, and I, I think that's cool, man. 
Uh, well, he's got to be feeling pretty good this week after his Gators took care of business this weekend. Oh, man, we're about to get right into that. So, guys, <laughs> week six of the 2018 college football season is in the books officially, and this brings us to the halfway point of the regular season. So, when it comes down to it, man, college football fans all across the country retreated to a total of seven top 25 upsets throughout the day. And during all that mayhem, five of those seven upsets were at the hands of unranked teams, brother. So, and that's thanks to Mississippi State, Texas A&M, Utah, Northwestern, and Iowa State. Man, craziness. All of those teams right there that just rank right up there and make you think, yeah, upset city right there, man. I could see that happening. Not really. <laughs> and on top of that, brother, we had three of those seven upsets were delivered that were delivered Saturday. Saw previously unbeaten teams lose. And that was number five, LSU, number seven, Oklahoma, and number 13, Kentucky, man. Kentucky, man. I say that again. <laughs> Bummed. <laughs> but on the positive side of that, you did call that game. Uh, we were we put our predictions out last week. I rolled with Kentucky. I was drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, you, on the other hand, you pushed the brakes on it and saw Texas A&M handling business at home. And lo and behold, you were right on that one. Yeah, man. I, I've seen Jimbo Fisher in action plenty of times. Obviously, he's not playing on the field. But the guy, he always comes with a good game plan. Um, it, and again, it's one of those things. He might not figure it out in the first half, but he's going to have his team in the game in the second half. And I have nothing but respect for that guy. Um, yes, I didn't like the way he left Florida State. But at the same time, man, the guy's a good coach. He's going to be successful wherever he goes. And, and so I just saw the writing on the wall. Kentucky was having that magical season. I knew the magic was going to run out um, you know, sooner or later. And I just had to go with Texas A&M on that one. Well, you were right, but I'm sure we'll talk about them in a few minutes. Yeah, man. So with that said, all those crazy matchups, man, we, we went into that week with 14 undefeated teams, but now we're left with 11. And guess what, man? The cool thing is all 11 of those teams are ranked in the new top 25 poll. Well, I mean, there's something to be said for that, looking at how all these teams are going to shake out. Uh, it's still, you know, you said it, we're at the halfway point of the season. It's where hopefully we start to learn who teams are and who teams aren't. Uh, some teams are still surprising us, there, you know, week in and week out. But, uh, man, there's still the top teams there at the top of the top 25 poll there that uh, that we expected to be there, and they're still riding high right now. Yeah, so guys, of note, we had two ranked teams this week that were didn't see any action, which was Penn State and Oregon. They both had bye weeks. So let's jump right into the top 25, and let's talk about who took care of business, man. Sounds like a winner to me. I guess we're going to start with uh, the uh, broken record of number one, Alabama. Oh, brother, you got that right, man. Again, this is how we have it structured right now. We're just going to go from top to bottom. Well, you know, as far as who took care of business, Alabama definitely took care of business. But man, <laughs> Nick Saban is not happy with that defense. Well, let's see. He started out the weekend not being happy with the student section there at Alabama. Felt like they weren't coming out and supporting the team like he wanted them to. Uh, and then he ends the weekend not being happy with that defense. And I guess when you look at it and you see the fact that they gave up 31 points to Arkansas, you can probably see where he's probably not very happy. You know, his offense handled business. His offense did what you expected him to do. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa still, man, still throwing the ball all over the place, still doing crazy things out there. Uh, man, I don't know that he's ever had a quarterback like this, but, man, that offense is cranking. But that defense is what has been his staple. It's kind of what he's hung his hat on. And so I get where he's uh, not too happy with what's going on down there in Alabama right now. Yeah, when you have, you know, have Harris puts a, you know, rushes for 111 yards, two TDs, and then you got the receiving core that Tua has a throw to. Man, this, this guy has yet to see a fourth quarter. He was 10 for 13, 334. 10 for 13. <laughs> 
334 yards, four touchdowns. Amazing, man. Uh, once again, uh, you called it last week with the uh, PlayStation-like numbers. I think it was when we were talking about Kyler Murray. Yeah, Tua's right there with him as well, throw, doing some ridiculous things with the ball. Uh, man, it's it's not. It, it does bring a little bit of you know, hey, okay, it's Alabama, they're going to win this weekend. There's not a whole lot of question marks out there around that, but it is fun to watch this kid play. Uh, without a doubt, man, I totally agree. And so again, Alabama takes care of business. The defense. I'm not worried about that. I really, I was expecting them to eventually let off the throttle. And you, come on, man, they're probably putting the third stringers in there to get them some good reps heading into them because they're going to need those guys to step up because of some injuries, you know, to to cover down on the second string and vice versa. So I'm not. There's no way I'm hitting the panic button for that team right now. Well, it's 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old young men, too, so they're going to get up for the really big games. And, you know, it's, I would be, think it would be safe to say that they weren't quite as up for uh, <laughs> for Arkansas as they would be somebody else. So the number two Georgia Bulldogs defeated Vanderbilt 41-13, but, man, that offense, for some reason, I, I and, and I didn't follow this game per se or actually sit there and watch most of it. I did catch a quarter of it. But man, hearing my hearing my friends that are UGA fans, big Georgia Bulldogs, they are frustrated right now with with the offense not being able to get that spark going and that defense sputtering from time to time too. But man, again, they get the W. There's not much to really say about this. Jake did his thing at the QB one slot, threw for three touchdowns. I mean. Come on, man. Georgia's winning. What can you ask for, you know? Well, I think the, I think the thing that they're seeing is something that we're seeing from a couple other teams here in the top 25 is you got that slow start. Uh, you know, end of the first quarter, the score seven to three. And, you know, you're playing, you're number two team in the nation. You're playing Vanderbilt. You expect your, you know, the expectation would be is that Georgia would be up by a little bit more than four points. And so they're spotted there. They did catch their legs, get the wind rolling, uh, there in the second quarter as they began to put up points. Uh, from just like Tua didn't see that fourth quarter. He didn't need to play in that fourth quarter either. They ran away with it at the end. Uh, but you are looking for Georgia to have a little bit of a quicker start. And they're going to need that quicker start really beginning next week as they get into a really tough stretch of their schedule oh man uh, i, I want to say they have lsu and that that right there they can't get off to a slow start i mean i know it depends well it really depends on if the offense shows up defense shows up for either team um but i know i know coach the their coach the uga coach coach kirby smart will have those guys ready to play oh i believe you i'm, I'm with you on that one so let's go to number three, ohio state man um this game they played indiana obviously they win 49 26 but, hey, that first half they struggled, and Indiana was sticking with them, man. That's exactly right. This game's a lot closer than that uh, that final score would indicate. Ohio State was only up 28-20 to at the half. And then in the second half is when the Buckeyes really took control, really began to roll. Uh, quarterback Dwayne Haskins had an incredible game. Uh, this game, 455 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, man, it was uh, another one of those games right here. He's coming off of a tough game when he as they played Penn State, even though they were able to come off with the victory there. So he w- he was looking to make a statement, and I would say that he did against the Indiana Hoosiers. Oh, without a doubt, man. He he was ve- he was very impressive. When you go 33 for 44 and almost throw for 500 yards and six touchdowns. Man, you took care of business. And I know sometimes he might have a slow start. He had a slow start against Penn State. But the guy comes to play. He hasn't, you know, last week or when they played Penn State, it was one of the first times he really faced adversity. He stepped up when he needed to. And obviously in this game, they needed him to, and he did the same thing. So let's move on to 
the number four Clemson defeating Wake Forest. I mean, like we said, when you said it in your um in the predictions, we knew the top top four were basically going to take care of business. Clemson goes on and beats Wake Forest sixty three to three. You know, when you look at a score like that, you kind of have to wonder uh, at what point in time did Clemson pack it up, and did Wake Forest ever really show up to begin with? But you know, Clemson had a uh, uh, you know you think about the last you know seven eight days and uh, their of their history, man. They had a little bit of a scare last week with Trevor Lawrence going down in that game and not and not returning returning, and then they were almost upset by Syracuse. Uh, but Trevor Lawrence was back under center this week, leading his team to a dominating performance. He throws the ball for 175 yards and two touchdowns while they're running back. Uh, man, I tell you, the running the running game for this game was really the big story uh, for for Clemson. Man, they had three guys that would rush for over 125 yards and score six touchdowns between the three of them. Man, that is a dominating run performance right there. Yeah, man, and the guy that really took the reins on, uh, on that running game for him is Travis Etienne. I want to say that how you pronounce it. But, man, he was impressive. He was impressive last week in their come-behind win in Syracuse. He really was picking up huge chunks of yardage once they wore that Syracuse team down. And this guy is coming to play. He is playing some ball. He's scoring touchdowns, and he's stepping up when those boys need him. You know, the other thing about this game as well is that, and I don't care who you are, I don't care what team you are in the country, when you only allow another team, another team within your conference to score three points, you got to give it up for your defense, man. Your defense was playing, was playing well. Uh, and that defensive line that Clemson has was something that was really a hot topic of conversation coming into the season. And I don't know if you've necessarily heard a whole lot about them lately, especially with the quarterback controversy going on there, but they really stepped up in this game as well. Yeah, man. Their defense, like you said, stepped up big. Wake Forest has a pretty decent offense. They've, they've been able to put up some good numbers this year. Obviously, we did not see that a, a remnants of that period against <laughs> Clemson. But, man, it, Clemson could be starting to get in their groove. They could be heading the right direction. Trevor Lawrence coming off that, that injury um, looked pretty sharp, like you said, and that's impressive, and that is definitely good progress from all the adversity they faced a week, week ago. Absolutely. So let's get into this matchup. This one was interesting in the first half, similar to the game last week that Notre Dame played against Stanford. Notre Dame goes on, goes into Blacksburg. They had the Metallica song blaring. I, I was hyped. I get hyped every time I see that. They have one of the best entrances. You know, they walk. I would agree. Yeah, they walk all the way across. They go through this tunnel, and then they come out to. What? It's like, man, it is just amazing. That Metallica song was blaring. The the crowd, the whole I mean, the whole stadium was hyped. I was I was almost jumping up and down in my living room, and I'm not a guy that does that for other teams outside of Florida State. But it got me pumped. Metallica gave them a message, gave them a shout out. It made me even more excited that that happened. But man, that's where it really ended um, from there. I mean, obviously the first half was close. You know, seventeen to sixteen. Yep. But man, that Notre Dame team with Ian Book under center, they they just look totally different. They 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 stepped up in that second half and pulled away forty five to twenty three. And, uh, you know, once again, you know, Virginia Tech's coming off of what would be a, you know, you could think about it, a season turning around kind of win last week against Duke. 
Uh, yeah, I said that a season-turning win against a against a Duke team last week going into Durham, and this was you know Blacksburg, man. That's a that's a tough place to go into and win, man. That's a, as you were alluding to, man. That's a rowdy crowd. They were all excited. They were all hyped up. Uh, I do feel like that uh, Ryan Willis, the backup quarterback for Virginia Tech, showed a little bit of his inexperience in this game. Uh, had a couple of uh, untimely turnovers that were taking place there. Made a couple of mistakes that that really did not allow his team to capitalize on some things that they could have done differently. Uh, but man, I I think one of the key plays for me, you kind of think back into that game, is when Dexter Williams, man, they were backed up against their goal line. And he broke free, and there was nothing but green grass in front of him, man. And he just kept right on trucking all the way down, scored a touchdown. And for me, that was the turning point of the game that really began to blow it open there for, for Notre Dame to get on there with a win. Yeah, man, that was really the knockout blow. That's where it all, basically the snowball effect took place. That guy took it to the house. I mean, it's it, this team is scary. When you have Dexter Williams in the backfield, you got Ian Book under center, these guys look like a totally different team. I know Dexter Williams, I believe he had some injury problems throughout the mm-hmm. year, but he's healthy now. And so watch out, guys. This team is going to make some noise to make that playoff come, you know, whenever it's playoff time and these guys <laughs> get into the groove. It's going to be hard, man, for to keep this team out, of, especially if they keep taking care of business. Man, they got to be in that conversation. Well, you got to think about it. I mean, they just came off of a, a you know a good win against a, a top twenty-five team in Stanford, and then they're coming off of this win as well. And, and you know, not to mention the the win they got the first week of the season against Michigan. I mean, that, you know, they're they're racking up some impressive wins right now, and their defense is looking good too, man. That strip sack of quarterback Ryan Willis that uh, uh, resulted in them t- picking it up and running it in for a touchdown. Uh, man, that was a huge play as well. So, I mean, I, there's a there's a lot to be said for these uh, Fighting Irish that are firing on all cylinders right now. Yeah, and everybody has to remember Ryan Willis. He's a, he was a backup quarterback a couple of weeks ago. You know, he gets thrown when, right. when when he when their quarterback gets hurt, and then this guy threw the rock fifty two times, guys. So when when you don't have that much experience, and you're throwing the rock fifty two times. You're going to make some some you know inexperienced plays, and it could cost your team. Unfortunately for Virginia Tech in this game, it cost them not only the game, but they fell back out of the rankings. So absolutely, there's that. <laughs> So we're going to West Virginia, man. This is a team that I, I've all year have have been on the the wagon, the bandwagon, whatever you want to call it, because I like I just like what they're doing. But what I don't like, man, is what their defense has kind of reverted to the last two weeks. They didn't look good in this win win against Kansas, even though they won thirty eight twenty two. You know, uh, they're, you're, you're exactly right on that defense. But I tell you what, man, there were some question marks for me that began to pop up with Will Greer. His numbers look good when you look at him on the surface, 332 yards for four touchdowns. But he also had four interceptions that he threw in that game. And of those four, three of them were either in the red zone or at the goal line. As a quarterback, you might be able to get away with that versus a team like Kansas, but you're not going to be able to get away with that later on down the line, man. When you start playing, when you're playing some of these, you know, tougher competition games right there, and so he's really got to clean that up. I, maybe he was pressing, maybe he was trying to do too much. I don't know. Uh, I wasn't in his. I'm not. I can't get in his head or anything like that. But I do know you cannot win games throwing four interceptions like that. Yeah, and what what stuck out to me is what I kept saw, seeing on the highlights, and I actually saw it um, in person when I was at the NC State Boston College game. You know, during one of the breaks. When West Virginia's defense lines up and they drop everybody in coverage, <laughs> but Kansas still completed the pass. I'm like, what? <laughs> what just happened? Like my mind was blown because you know it looks like everybody's rushing. They all drop back in coverage, and the guy throws a dart and and hits the guy in stride. And it was like, 
what just happened? That was like probably the worst defensive play, a defensive call. <laughs> I don't even know the defense was expecting the defense to do what they did, but it was it was pretty embarrassing. Uh, yeah, I would agree with that. But at the end of the day, West Virginia is able to come away with a win, and uh, that's all that you can do from week to week. Yeah, man, and they keep inching closer to that top five spot, man. And I'm like, oh, West Virginia, top five, man. That's To me, that's unheard of. So let's move into Washington versus UCLA. This, again, this is a Washington I'm not buying. They're hovering around the top, top ten all the time. They're moving up further along. They're getting by the skin of their teeth in these games. They beat a struggling you know, Chip Kelly team from UCLA, and they pull that one out 31-24. But again, man, it just this Washington team, every time I see them, they, they, they remind me of how I feel about Stanford. Not not that Stanford plays how I feel about them all the time, but this Washington team, man, it's one of those things that I just I want to see Browning and, and this team just turn it on, but they're just not doing it. You know, one of the things that you can uh, that that was kind of one of my takeaways from the game is that man, their their pass defense didn't really hold up in this game. You know, they were they allowed that freshman quarterback from UCLA to really throw the ball all over the place. Two hundred and seventy two yards for two touchdowns is what uh, uh, Thompson Robinson uh, threw the ball for, uh, and that's kind of going against a little bit what Washington is priding itself on on the defensive side of the ball. So once again, something else to kind of clean up there uh, heading into a big matchup this weekend for them as well. Uh, Jake Browning, you know, the quarterback for Washington. He, he had a decent game for him. He, he kind of ran the ball a little bit more than probably what they were anticipating. Showed he can he can be mobile if he has to be. It's not what he wants to do, but it's, he can be if that's what he needs to do. Um, but, man, once again, something on the defensive side of the ball they need to clean up before they get into next week. Yeah, and, and I look at UCLA, man. They're, they're struggling. Obviously, they're winless, but they didn't look that bad in this game. Their offense put up numbers. You can see Chip Kelly's stamp actually being implemented on that team. I believe it's just a matter of time before they actually start looking good. You might get a remnants of, of Oregon coming back next year. We'll see. But again, they're just they're knocking on the door of a win. They're definitely not in the position that old, old Frost is over in Nebraska. <laughs> but I mean, again, I think they're taking steps in the right direction. They hung around with a number 10 Washington team, and, and even though they lost – I got to give Chip Kelly and the UCLA Bruins a little bit of props for hanging around and making this game. Wow! All right, some props there for Chip Kelly. Didn't know that. Didn't see that one coming. All right. Yeah, we'll probably have some people throw stuff at me from the stands (laughs) if I had stands around. But you know, it's like I got to look at the positives, especially with my team, which we'll talk about in just a second. But let's let's switch it over to UCF Central Florida plays SMU. It's one of those things that the SMU Mustangs seem like they will play you tough from time to time, and it's one of those things that I've been used to seeing Central Florida and SMU. It's a close game every once in a while, and SMU can bite you. They just they can't play around with this Central Florida team. Central Florida puts up some big numbers, wins 48-20, to 20, but again, man, Central Florida is not getting that much love, but they continue to move forward. They continue to pick up wins, and, and, and that's just impressive to me. Well, I mean, you know, as a, as players for UCF, all you can do is play the teams that are on your schedule. Uh, the players they got, you know, you know how many real control over that. So that's all you can do, and that's what they're doing. And when they play these teams, they are win- they are winning, and they are winning convincingly. Uh, man, get out there! They jump out to that commanding lead in the first quarter and never look back. I think they went up by 21 there in the fourth uh, in the first quarter, and man, that was all she wrote at that point in time, uh, doing basically whatever they wanted to do. And I didn't realize this. I didn't realize that this was going to be their 18th straight win. So 
So, I mean, you got to give some love and some props there to UCF being able to do that. And I'm telling you, uh, they're going to keep this up and they're going to be the self-proclaimed national champions again. <laughs> we're going to, we're going to have this controversy happening again. You better watch out. Yeah. They, we got to be careful though. Cause I think they, uh, there's still South Florida out there, Cincinnati. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure those teams are on their schedule. I know they're in the same, you know, around the same conference. So it's one of those things, you know, is, is Central Florida going to have a, a, a letdown against one of those teams that are, that right now find themselves undefeated? So it's going to be interesting to see as the year goes on. And then if Central Florida can, again, two years in a row, hey, self-reclaim yourself as much as you want to, because that's impressive. <laughs> True story. All right, man. So this is a game that when I saw your prediction, I had to, uh, if I had windshield wipers on my eyes, I would have to use it, you know, like with the rain pouring down. Um, and I got it. We're, we're both not huge believers in Michigan and we've talked about Harbaugh and, you know, he's, he's just, it doesn't seem like he's the guy to get it done, but, but Michigan keeps winning. They keep that with Michigan winning Notre Dame, that, that loss of Notre Dame for Notre Dame. I mean, you know, with Notre Dame continuing to win, it just looks better and better. Um, so it wasn't a huge loss, wasn't a huge defeat. But it was starting off the season. It's interesting. Michigan doesn't look like they have it all together, but they go beat a, a decent Maryland team, which which can score some points, and they beat them forty-two to twenty-one impressively. Um, Shape um, Patterson puts up some decent numbers. He throws for three touchdown passes, and I was really impressed with him, guy. Well, uh, I tell you what, my thinking was on that on that Maryland pick right there. First of all, I'm not a Maryland fan by any stretch of the imagination. And if anybody knows anything about college basketball, you would understand that if I'm a Duke fan, why I can't you know cheer for Maryland at any point in time. However, we'll get into that in basketball season. But uh, the thing about it is, is this, is that Michigan, like another team that we've already talked about so far uh, today, is that they are notoriously slow starters this season. They, they, they can't seem to get out of the blocks. I had watched the way that Duke played Northwestern earlier in the year. And then I saw the way that Michigan played Northwestern last week. And I felt like Michigan was really, really lucky to be able to come away with a win against Northwestern. Now, we'll talk about Northwestern again here in a here in a few more moments that maybe that uh that game last week wasn't necessarily as much of a fluke as I thought it was but I really thought that if Michigan got off to such a slow start like they did last week that Maryland would be able to score some points and be able to hold on there for the victory uh part of that prediction came true Maryland I mean uh, Michigan did get off to a little bit of a slow start there but then they made a roaring uh, a roaring comeback there and really began to put it on uh put it onto the Maryland Terrapins I didn't see Shea Patterson having his one of his best games of the season in this game right here where you mentioned he threw for 282 yards and three touchdowns I didn't I didn't see that happening I think I do believe that the slow starts are going to be it's going to come back to bite Michigan in the butt uh, before it's all said and done here, and they've got a tough stretch as well over the next couple of games as well. But uh, but man, they really I, you know I, at the same time, man, I'm gonna give some love, I'm gonna give some props to uh, Coach Harbaugh and the Michigan Wolverines. They they at the end of, at the end of the day, the name of the game is to win, and yeah. whether it's pretty or whether it's done in convincing fashion or anything like that, they are winning their ball games. And at the end of the day, that's what you got to do. Yeah, it's definitely not winning like Alabama's winning right now, but it's definitely getting that W. And so, who is winning like Alabama right now? <laughs> yeah, the, nobody. But it's one of those things. It seems like you know Harbaugh has made some adjustments. I mean, obviously they don't. It, that game with Notre Dame came down to the wire. So again, it wasn't a bad defeat. By no yeah. means was it a you know, knockout blow for their for their playoff hopes. But it did hurt them. So yeah. they just need Notre Dame to continue to win. But they need to go. They need to continue to take care of business for the rest of the season. And we'll see at the end of the year where they're, where they're actually sitting. So let's move on to 16 Wisconsin. Again, we've mentioned Nebraska. Nebraska, when I see them play, 
I saw that and the one the one play that sticks out to me is when they hand it to Taylor. Taylor just takes it to the house right up the middle. I don't know. They were like on the one, two, three yard line, something like that. <laughs> yeah. But the guy takes it all the way to the house. He has jets. He rushes for two hundred twenty one yards and three touchdowns. But man, what isn't Nebraska probably even going to have a chance to win this year? I tell you what, man. I don't know that there is a team, uh, and I'm sure there, I'm, I'm sure I'm speaking out of turn here. I'm sure somebody could uh, email us or whatever and tell us, hey, there's going to be there's a worse story out there. But just as far as what you see on the field and kind of you know what the expectations were for for Coach Frost coming in here, going back to his dream job, so to speak. I don't know that there's a team that I feel worse for than than Nebraska at this point in the year. Just saying, man, let them get one. Let them get one win. I didn't think it was going to come against Wisconsin. Obviously, that didn't happen. Uh, but man, uh, they just got. There, there's a little bit of a deal there, man, in the run game and the way that they just they ran all over Nebraska. That at some point in time, you got to have a little bit of pride there, and man, push back a little bit. But they just got they got manhandled. You you mentioned what Taylor ran the ball in. Uh, there was an 88 yarder in there in the fourth quarter that was just kind of the uh, kind of the uh, the the nail the nail in the coffin, so to speak. They were already up big at that point. Don't get me wrong. But if there is a bright spot for Nebraska. It's got to be that young quarterback that got Adrian Martinez. Man, he threw the ball for 384 yards, two touchdowns. He's going to be a player. Uh, you got some years with him to kind of build a team around. So there is a there is some silver lining there. There's some light in the tunnel. He's mo- he can move around well in the pocket. He, he's he's very mobile. He can get out there and run when you need him to. So uh, man, there's there's something there is something there, and you can see Nebraska maybe making a little bit of progress. He's going to definitely have to tighten up on that completion percentage. Twenty four forty two. <laughs> he's going to have to tighten up, man. You got to be at least around sixty sixty five percent, if not higher. Um, in college to really have a chance with some of these with some of these teams, um, it, yeah, he he looks impressive. Don't get me wrong, Martinez. You sure. can see some. He is a bright spot. J, JD Spillman too, another bright spot. That receiving corpse, obviously Martinez. That's a good guy. Good connection. They have a connection going on. Two hundred and nine receiving yards. That is impressive in its own right. Um, but again, like we said. Wisconsin take cares, takes care of business. Nebraska continues to lose. And, man, hopefully, again, like you said, man, I feel so bad for these coaches that, that, that you know, a feel-good story comes with them. They, they did real good in their previous ventures. And then it, it's just not – the fruits of the labor is not paying off fast enough for some of these fan bases. Agreed. All right, man, let's take it down to the game that really, uh, man, did it for me. I'm just going to sit back and I'm going to let you talk about this game. And so I'm not, just gonna yeah, I'm not going to vent too much on this one because it, it's it, it's going to get me fired up. And we might actually have a, like a four-hour show. Um, and we're going to try to keep this an hour, man. So number 17, Miami. Didn't think Florida State was really going to be able to play with these guys. My predictions say that. I, I did say it was going to be a lot closer of a game than a lot of people thought. I know college game day and every, all those the crew was talk, calling for a blowout. I didn't see that happening. I know this is a rivalry game. These guys play each other tough no matter who's ranked, no matter who's not ranked. Um, I didn't see Florida State dominating the first half and being up 27-7. I really felt confident at that point. I thought Florida State had it had had it in the bag. I knew that turnover chain was just around the corner, though, at any moment. And, man, did we not see that in a hurry. 
Well, um, you know, maybe the recipe to get Florida State to start playing well is to go ahead and schedule Miami earlier in the season. Uh, that way, you know, they'll get they'll get up for this rivalry game and they can and they can start playing. I, I, let me let me say this, and then I know that you'll have a couple of more comments there to make. Um, for for at least a half of a game, Florida State looked more like what we expected them to be than than they had the previous you know four or five games there. Um, it, it wasn't great, don't get me wrong, uh, but I thought that there were some bright spots there that you could build upon and build this program on and build this team back up that uh, that could happen. And then the second half happened. Yeah, but I really think a lot of people got to look at what was going on. Miami was there was a lot of self inflicted wounds going on in that first half. Mark Rick was had a wild hair going on because he just kept going for it on fourth down. So it was one of those things like I'm like, what is this guy doing? He kept he fourth and three, fourth and four, he's going for it. He converted a couple of them. But I knew that's just not gonna pay off all the time. He put himself in some bad his team in some bad positions. Florida State took advantage of that. Um and we saw ourselves up twenty seven seven. You know, we're up twenty seven going to the half. We get a punt return after the after halftime, we're looking good. Twenty seven seven. Our defense is holding them. But that young quarterback in Perry, he Again, when you look at his stat line, 13 for 32, he wasn't great. Florida State's defense was, was doing good. They were holding this guy because our our our, often, our defensive line was actually dominating up front. So they were getting pressure on this guy. He was not having time to throw the ball. But when we gave them the, the that field position, all he had to do was start throwing these rinky-dinky passes, similar like we mentioned against Duke. The defenders, what are we doing? We're getting pass interference. We're getting. We're not turning around to to make a play on the ball. We're letting the receiver make the play on the ball. They catch it, and it's too late by that time. So we got this guy complete. He out of his thirteen passes, four of them were touchdowns. But again, look at that. That's all their points. And so if we could have just stopped them one time, we could have made a field goal. We had that um, trick play get called back. You know, as far they called it a forward pass, which it obviously yep. was not. It was definitely it. It was definitely a lot more closer to not being one than it was. Not ha- stopping the um, game and, and sitting there and going for a review and, and leaving it upstairs. Like I don't know what Willie Taggart's thinking was. I know he said something about the refs said they were looking at it. But guy, you got to call a timeout. You got to throw that red flag. Whatever you got, you that right there to me, that did it because I don't you you don't really know how it was going to play out. Sure, but that right there would have made our. When I say our, I'm talking about Florida State. <laughs> they would have made them so much. You know, their odds would have went up so much more. Um, and then that didn't happen. Their offense, Florida State's offense, 200 total yards. Horrible. That is absolutely horrific. So there was really, to me, when you look at the stats, Florida State shouldn't have been in this game. So and, and granted, the self-inflicted wounds I really appreciated from from uh, Miami side of the ball, but again, man, that Dora Explorer backpack it was funny because the, the announcers <laughs> even called it the Dora Explorer backpack. So it was funny. The other guy was like, "Did you really just call it that on national television?" And the guy was like, "Yep, I sure did." You know, sure did, Bob. And it was one of those things. Right. I was like, "Man, this is awesome." I was like, "They're even hating on it." So. The turnover chain came up. There was two costly turnovers back to back where we gave them the ball, you know, like inside the red zone. They go in the, down the field and score just like that. So again, Miami props to them. They faced some adversity in that game. They hung in strong. Mark Rick has his team. He figured out a way to win. I really get. I'm really impressed with him and his demeanor and how he gave us props for hanging in there with his team. But man, 
Florida State just didn't do enough to get the job done. Well, it's a rivalry game. You know, everybody's going to get up for those. Um, and you know, you know, and especially in those games, you never know what's going to happen. And in this particular week of college football, it could it just been right up there as par for the course for Florida State to upset Miami. But you're right. At the end of the day, Miami was able to get the job done and keep rolling along in this uh, crazy college football world. Yeah, man. We're going to switch to this game now. Number 21, Colorado defeating Arizona State 28 to 21. Other than the Florida State game, I don't think there's another game that I was more bummed for because I've been really, <laughs> really, we've been really harping on Herm Edwards and, and they, they fall short. I did not see Colorado being able to really stick with them. Um, it, you know, Benjamin still had a huge game rushing the ball, but I mean, geez, what's going on? I was like, Colorado, total opponents, they're 1 in 16. I was like, Arizona right. State has this in the bag. But, man, just like you said, these this team gets ranked. They actually prove that they should be ranked at this point in time by beating a tough Arizona State team. Yeah, I mean, let's uh, let's certainly give some credit to, to Colorado for being able to, to you know, pull out the win on this one in a game that was really, you know, it was close throughout, hard-fought game that really took place there. Uh, they got that receiver, and I know I'm going to mess up his name, but uh, Chenault Jr., I believe is who it is, ends up with, you know, scoring four times on Saturday, two receiving and two and two running. So, I mean, you know, there's something. Uh, he's got he's got some skills, obviously, there. Man, he's doing he's doing a great job this season. Uh, a lot of credit to that. Uh, Colorado's offensive line was able to keep Arizona State's pass rush, uh, pass rush in check for most of the game. Uh, and, uh, you know, I tell you, I believe I believe that what Herm Edwards is doing is he's having to change a culture uh, there Arizona Arizona State uh, and it takes time to do that I think we got a little, maybe got a little bit antsy uh, myself probably leading the charge on that driving the parade uh, you know I'm the I'm the ringmaster there or whatever it is the grand marshal of the parade uh, saying that you know Herm Edwards should be coach of the year or something but that win against Michigan State earlier in the year may have been a little bit premature in us you know uh, anointing this team as back uh, they played they played well. Uh, over the last several weeks, they are playing are playing tough. But I believe that this game, I, I agree with you, man. This game right here for Colorado was a big win for them, and being able to say, hey, you know, we deserve to be in that top twenty five. And you know, they'll they'll can you know we'll see what the rest of the season holds in store for them. But they certainly was able to move up this week. Yeah, they were impressive. That quarterback for them, you know, he put up some pretty decent numbers, going twenty four for thirty three, um, three hundred twenty eight yards and two touchdowns. That was impressive. And then the running game too, man. Uh, when when I see another team being able to rush like they did, I mean Arizona State by no means has the best rush defense in the nation, not at all. I mean sure. they proved that last week by giving up so many yards. I mean there was two game, there was two teams that you know had backs that had like 300 yards. You know that they don't have a good team, but Colorado found out a way to win. It, it was close, and but it's just a matter of time. Herm, Herm Edwards, like I said, we like him. We think he's yeah. going to do good at Arizona State. I think they found their guy. It's just going to be a matter of time. Absolutely. So let's move on to number 23, NC State, defeating Boston College 28-23. I was actually at this game, man. And I yeah, for, won't you tell us about it? Yeah, I covered, covered it for Heroes Media Group. You know, uh, it, it's Raleigh, North Carolina, at Carter-Finley Stadium. It got, it had a great time. Had, it got to go on the field, see these guys warming up, um, sat in the press box, and it, it was just exciting. But what stuck out to me was A.J. Dillon not playing. We are, we already said that, you know, we kind of in our prediction said, you know, I said that even with AJ Dillon, that they, they didn't stand a chance to win this game. I like what NC State's doing. Don't like where the Boston College direction that they're going. But man, NC State jumped out fast and, and right. took this lead and took command of this game. And just doing that just made it just too much for Boston College to overcome. But Boston College did make it a game in the end. 
and mm-hmm. they got within striking distance. But again, that that start that that fast start really did it in. Sure, and they and I, I think I think they've got some players. Uh, NC State does. I mean, they've got uh, they've got their they got their running back uh, Reggie Gillespie. Uh, had a nice day. I mean, not nothing spectacular, but had a, had a really good day. Uh, Ryan Finley, the quarterback, had a nice day th- throwing the ball through the air as well. You're right, they did get up quick. The thing about NC State is that I'm still waiting on them to have that signature win. Uh, to this point, they they could have had it, and then they had a game lined up for them to be able to play West Virginia earlier this year, but that game got that game got canceled due to Hurricane Florence coming through, and so uh, I don't I don't believe that game's being rescheduled or anything like that. Uh, so they're they're still missing out on that sig- signature win. This game did take them to five and zero. We're gonna see what what holds. I still see them as this unproven unproven team. Uh, right now, they did. I mean, they were able to win against Boston College. Uh, I, I still feel like uh, it might have been a little bit of a different game had Dylan been able to play. Uh, but obviously, we'll be we'll never be able to know that or anything along those lines. But uh, I think there's something you got to think about there too, as well as that the Wolfpack did have its fair share of problems, including a couple of turnovers there that almost caused them to lose that game. So we'll, we'll see what happens as they play a little bit tougher competition. Yeah, they're definitely going to have to clean their playing up. Um, watching that game, what stuck out to me was some of the boneheaded plays that Finley was making. Mm-hmm. He actually had some good stats, 25 for 34, like we said, 308 yards and two touchdowns. But, man, some of them interceptions or some of those plays that they were doing inside the red zone or on the on the, the short side of the field, they're going to have to clean that up going against some of these teams like Clemson, which I yep. think they're about to run into the bus all coming up. <laughs> and it's one of those things, if they can hang with Clemson and beat Clemson, NC, I, I will buy into NC State. I'm not a buyer into NC State right now. Yes, right. they they you know are – are sitting there undefeated and everything, but man, like you said, they didn't play West Virginia. That game got canceled. They couldn't. They can't fit that game back in. So I, I want to believe as long as they don't make the a- ACC title game, they have a game scheduled with East Carolina. Um, so I want to say that's what I saw on the um, back end of everything. So if everything goes okay. down, they're going to play that game. Um, and, and so, yeah. I'm not a buyer of NC State right now. They're just they're hovering in the top, you know, around the top 20. But we'll see. They play Clemson, and then that's when we'll see if they're they're for real. I will say this about about NC State. Uh, you live in Raleigh now. I grew up in Raleigh, so I've watched this team play, you know, pretty you know pretty closely for about for the last two or three decades. And this game right here and this season so far is really par for the course for what NC State has been. Uh, regardless of how good or how bad they've been, they have always played teams like Clemson, those top tier teams. They have always played them really really tough. You as a Florida State fan know that even when NC State wasn't that great, man, they always seemed to have Florida State's number when they were in that national title contention. And the same thing has been true for Clemson. Clemson as well, man. Anytime their name was starting to be mentioned, NC State was one of those teams that played them really, really well. They would play down to their competition, but then when they would play those upper echelon teams, they play them tough. So I expect when them to play, when Clemson rolls around, that they should, that they'll play them in a really good game. Yeah, I agree. So let's switch gears and head over to the uh, this segment of the show where who in the top twenty-five didn't take care of business and. So this is when the craziness kicks in, you know, because it, the first game we're going to start with is number 22, Florida, upsetting number five, LSU, 27-19. Did you see that coming? 
I did not see this coming, and evidently neither did the Tigers of LSU. But I'll tell you what happened. I figured it out. When I made our predictions and we started putting it together, I did not realize that Tim Tebow was being enshrined into the Ring of Honor at Florida. I didn't realize he was giving the pep game talk. Of course they were going to beat LSU on this weekend. He was going to be abs going to happen after the first quarter, which they went scoreless in the first quarter. And then he gets enshrined, and he's standing there on the sidelines. And then all of a sudden, Florida begins to take over the game. And they, they, they score. They win this game. And it's all because of the magic of Tim Tebow. That's what I'm hanging my hat on all in this game right here, that it's all because of Tim Tebow. I would give you that one, man, because <laughs> Joe, Joe Burrow, the quarterback for LSU, he just didn't play like his normal self. I know, again, he hasn't faced that much adversity this year. They have played some tough teams, but everything's been on cruise control, really, for this team. And so, you know, he goes into Florida. I knew Florida's defense was going to play him tough. Mm-hmm. I didn't see them scoring. You know, even I didn't even see them breaking 20. If you would have said, hey, Florida's going to break 20, I would have said, hey, they got a chance of winning this game. But I didn't think that was going to happen. I knew it was going to be a dogfight. We got that. Florida's defense came up huge. I mean, again, there was some you know trick play, some a little bit of trickery on the offensive yep. side of the ball for Florida. Yep. But, man, that defense, is you, you got to give all the props to them. Hey man, when you're slowing down, uh, when you're slowing down the opposing team, who is ranked number five in the nation at that point, uh, your defense is doing something good. And you're right, they did come up big, especially with that game ceiling uh, pick six there at the, end, at the end of the game, right there to really ice that game away. And to hold Joe Burrow down to 191 yards and two interceptions, your defense has stepped up and played well. I did not see that coming at all. Uh, wow. So um, you know, props to the Gators. Huge win for Dan Mullen, man. Huge win. In your first year, he's you know he, he has some stuff to work with over there. Yeah, but he's definitely uh, I, he's definitely doing a lot better with his personnel than some of these other coaches. <laughs> True story, and I tell you what, if uh, if Florida can continue this on, man, that uh, that matchup with Georgia uh, is going to be interesting, and maybe it's not just so much of a foregone conclusion that Georgia will represent the East in the SEC championship game. We'll see. I, I still think that, that Georgia will eventually, that offense will eventually click. But if they can't figure that out, yeah, it's going to be a game. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So they got to watch out for that buzzsaw too. Um, so let's switch over to the game of the week. College game day was there again two weeks in a row that it delivers what we've been waiting for. Yep. The hype around this game was everything that, that anybody could have imagined. This game seemed like it was out of hand at one point for Oklahoma. Sure. You know, yeah. falling behind forty-five to twenty-four to Texas. But man, I, again, it was. I didn't want to buy the momentum and the wave, which I've seen it. I see it. I, I couldn't deny that Texas is definitely riding that momentum and riding that wave. They have the train rolling, and so I thought it, this was the week that it was just going to come to a halt. But man, was I wrong and. Man, am I a believer in Texas right now. <laughs> you know, when we were going through our predictions and everything, I so badly wanted to pick Texas. I, I wanted to continue to ride that way. But in my, in my head, I'm sitting there going, no, nah, man, this, this Oklahoma team is too tough. Kyler Murray, he's going to be too much for this Texas team to handle. Uh, I, I don't think that Texas has the firepower to keep up. Oh, man, am I swallowing those words right now. Wow. I mean, you talk about an offensive explosion. Yeah, they did let Oklahoma climb back in there and, man, make this a game there going down to the end where they had to kick this last-minute field goal uh, to win the game. And <laughs> uh, props to the kicker for uh, for Texas to be able to come in there and knock that and knock that thing through. Uh, man, talk about a high-pressure situation right there. But, man, you, you had two quarterbacks that may not have gone at it punch for punch or anything like that. But, man, both of those guys were putting up – 
amazing points. Once again, Kyler Murray leading his team back in incredible fashion there in the fourth quarter, scoring 21 points there to to tie the game and to put his team in a position to possibly win. But man, that Texas quarterback, Sam Eilinger, I think it's I think it's how we pronounce his name. Uh, unbelievable game throwing the ball, 314 yards, two touchdowns. He also ran the ball for 19 times for 72 yards. Uh, big props to him leading Texas to a win. Yeah, and man, I agree with you because I even said it in my predictions. I didn't think he could go tit for tat with with Kyler Murray. I just didn't see it. I I knew he was a good quarterback. Everybody's been singing his praises this year, mm-hmm. but I just thought you know it was one of those times you know it's built up all this momentum's behind them they got it going but i saw it maybe you know coming to a halt like when they you know because there's a lot of hype coming into this year and they fall to maryland at right off the bat but the biggest surprise for me which i was going to leave this for my thoughts you know when we get to our final thoughts on week six but the biggest surprise for me during this game man was how oklahoma's defense had mm. absolutely no answer for what Texas was doing on offense. I mean, Oklahoma showed how explosive their offense was in the fourth quarter, like you said, by coming right. away with 21 points just before before you can even think about it. But the separation that Texas created there on the scoreboard heading into that fourth quarter was ultimately what set them up to win this game and set them up for that field goal, mm-hmm. you know, for it to come down to the field goal and for, for Dicker to hit it right through the uprights, man. I tell you, uh, it, it really just goes to show you that you know you can't be good on just one side or two sides of the ball, man. You got to be really good in all three phases because at any point in time, especially in a game like this, let's face it, uh, that Texas versus Oklahoma football game is one of the best rivalries in college sports. Bar none, period. Uh, you can throw Michigan and Ohio State up there. Obviously, I'm going to throw in basketball season Duke versus North Carolina. But man, for right now, for this game right here, man, this, it, you got to be ready to play in all three phases of the game. And man, you can see why all three phases were needed for Texas to be able to win this one. Agreed. So moving on to Mississippi State. This was a game in my predictions that I got right. Luckily, yes, you did. Luckily. <laughs> and, and the reason, the reason I, and, and, and like I've, I mean, you go back and listen to the other episodes. I'm not a believer in this Mississippi State team at all as right. far as them being a ranked team. Um, and when it's all said and done, they might end up in the rankings. They jump back in the rankings this week. But right. I just fit because I've seen Auburn just struggle on the offensive side of, you know, during this year. They've been winning. But them sitting at number eight, I just I just felt that Mississippi State, you know, being let down, you know, having two matchups, coming off of these two hard, hard losses, you know, against you know Kentucky and Florida, I really I really I really felt that Mississippi State was going to win this. They show up and deliver a knockout blow to Auburn and win twenty three to nine. For me, the the thing about this game was finally being able to see Ryan Fitzpatrick, the quarterback from Mississippi State, being cut loose to be able to run the ball. Uh, that right there, it, for me, is the thing that I don't know if Auburn was prepared for, which they should have been, uh, but, man, they could not contain him. That stat line of the quarterback running the ball 28 times for 195 yards and two touchdowns. Huge. That's the quarterback. That's the, uh, you know, okay, look, he's he's built like a truck. I mean, you know, he 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 can take the pounding, uh, especially at that level. But man, being able to run that that many times, that far, and that many scores right there, uh, for me, that was a deciding factor in the game. I would agree, man. It, 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 he stepped up big time. It, it's yep. it, that running game. They unleashed the beast. He came through, like you said, and they took they took their you know their offense to the next level, adding that wrinkle in. Again, like you said, Auburn should have been ready. They were not, though. 
Yeah, exactly. And it really starts to begin to put in some questions here. Okay, where's Auburn going to go from here? Because this is not the first week that they've struggled. This is the team that hasn't really looked great at any point in time this season. They've had good moments. They've had maybe some great moments, but they haven't put a complete game together. And so it's going to be interesting to see where this team goes from here. Yeah, I know a lot of people are hating on Gus right now, but hey, <laughs> it is what it is. They all have to deal with it. So let's move on to Texas A&M upsetting number 13, Kentucky. We talked about that a little bit. It went. It, it was. It was one of those. Again, I knew the defense. Kentucky was showing up. The defense was going to show up. They were going to do what they've done all year. They were going to play lights out, which basically they did most of the game. The game goes to overtime. I don't know what number twenty five was doing because that's not how you try to tackle somebody. <laughs> right, but man, did he just blow that assignment? And and again, that was a big letdown. On because I'm I, I've been drinking the Kentucky Kool Aid. But yeah. I knew that they, they were going against the Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M team that would come ready to play. They pull out a close one, 20 to 14 in overtime. And, it, and I mean, come on, you got to give the props to Jimbo Fisher really helping his team. They've had some tough losses this year, but really going in there and actually, you know, pulling this one off um, was huge. Well, let's let's look at who your losses were going into this game. Texas A&M had lost to Clemson at home in a, an extremely close game that they probably, if it weren't for a particular call by a referee, may have actually been able to win that game. And then you went and you traveled to Tuscaloosa and you lost to Alabama. Those are your two losses on the season. You're doing pretty good <laughs> at that point in time. Um, I, I, you know, I was, I was, I was, you know, still on the Kentucky bandwagon going into this weekend. You had jumped off and rode with Texas A&M as you should have. But man, there was this right here was one of the best games of the of the weekend for in, in my mind, man. Just watching everything take place, uh, man. Huge, huge uh, uh, play there by the defense there in the fourth corner for Kentucky uh, to come away and be able to score a touchdown there to get their team tied back up going in and, and forcing that overtime. Uh, man, some questionable calls, uh, some questionable play uh, made by the quarterback Kentucky uh, of Kentucky there taking a taking a couple sacks there when uh, he didn't really need to put him out of uh, put him out of field goal range there in, in overtime uh, or didn't put him out of field goal range but put him further back where their field goal kicker ended up you know not being able to come away with any points and then just being able to watch Trayvon Williams man just a guy who would not be denied in that overtime man running his way into the end zone to score the winning uh, score the winning touchdown. Yeah, Kentucky, man, that's the thing. That's the reason I can't – That's why, if if you could match their offensive intensity up to the defense, they would be an awesome team. But it's like, okay, they have a running game. That, mm-hmm. I got that. But the quarterback, I'm just not a believer in, man. He's athletic. He can make yeah. some plays. He can, he can run the ball. But, dude, they need a passing game. And it, and if, well, and if and if you can't get your running game going on, that's where the passing game kicks in. And I know he he got a good strike and, and a decent throw, and they yeah. they scored off a touchdown. But man, it's it, there's no, it's no consistency in that passing game to really take them to the next level. Well, that's what you're looking. I mean, and that's kind of what this point is. Obviously, what that team is missing right now. They've got they've got the good running game. They've got a, they've got a pretty good defense right there. And so, if you can ever get that passing attack to kind of combine with that, Kentucky will be dangerous continuing to move forward. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. So let's move to Utah, upsetting number 14, Stanford, 40-21. to 21. Again, man, I'm not buying this Stanford team. They go and choke. I, it's, it's almost because I'm a Florida State guy, choking doke. But it's like, <laughs> dude, they just continue to not impress me. Um, the quarter, I mean, they put up statistics. Statistically, they put up some good numbers. But they just, you know, they couldn't score. They, they couldn't score, man. Uh, you know, 
I'm looking at I'm looking at the Stanford team and watching them over the last three weeks. They were able to pick up a win against Oregon that they shouldn't have won. Uh, then last week they end up losing to Notre Dame and, and, and they were just outmatched in that game. And so I don't know if, you know, Stanford was missing Bryce Love, uh, in this game. He was out, uh, again with an, with an injury. I believe it was an undisclosed injury. So not really sure what's going on there. Uh, but man, so you, you miss him. You miss, you know, arguably your best player, uh, you know, on, on your team and you go into this game. And, and I don't know if, you know, not taking Utah seriously or not knowing what was, what was going to happen there. But man, it just, they they got they got down and then they tried to claw back into the game and put a little run together and uh, and, and Utah was able to flex its muscles and not let this game slip away kind of uh, kind of putting their 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 foot on the throat so to speak uh, man Utah came up with some with a big defense came up with some big uh, came up with some big plays as well and their running game was pretty strong as well yeah um, and that's really all we got to say about that that's uh, I mean I wish we'll probably just until Stanford starts winning again, we'll just probably remove them from any discussion going forward. So Northwestern <laughs> okay. upsetting number 20, Michigan State. Another upset. Another team I'm not buying this Michigan State team. It's almost like in the Stanford situation. They have they didn't look good. Northwestern actually you know, put up some good good stats. They, they, they came to play. They pulled off an upset. And that's all I got to really say about Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, there's not, a, I mean, there's not much more to add on to that. They let it slip away last week when they could have upset Michigan, and they didn't let it slip away this time with Michigan State. Once again, they got out to a lead, and uh, Michigan State clawed its way back in there, but this time they were able to hold on and get the W. So the last of the upsets was Iowa State, which, you know, and Iowa State, they've been, you know, they're not the greatest team. They've lost some, they've lost some close games, but they play people tough. And mm-hmm. so they upset Oklahoma State Cowboys team 48-42. They put up some good numbers. It's some more video game um, numbers here. 18 for 23, 318 yards and four touchdowns by that quarterback. And plus his run his run stat line, 19 carries, 84 yards for a touchdown. Iowa State Cyclones got the job done. Kicked Oklahoma State out of the rankings again. And they, you know they're going to be playing some, some of these teams that if they overlook them, Iowa State might bite them. I tell you what, man, an impressive thing to me about this game, and we're moving on here, is that this guy right here, uh, Brock Purdy, was the third-string quarterback going into this game. Uh, The first stringer had been hurt for the last couple weeks, so the backup had been playing. They brought this guy in there in the second series, and he never looked back, put on a ridiculous game. And, man, uh, props to him. Great job by him, and great job to that Iowa State team. Yeah, without a doubt, man. So let's move on. Everybody's been waiting for the new AP Top 25 Week 7 rankings. So when we're looking at this, man, you know we're not going to go through it, uh, you know, all the way through the top twenty-five. But what sticks out the most to me was some of these teams jumping like they did. You got Texas and Florida making huge moves, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, not only them, but you see Notre Dame sneaking in there into the top five as well after uh, after a nice win against uh, Virginia Tech. So, but yeah, seeing some of those teams come up there, you got UCF in the top ten now. Uh, so, I mean, that's a, that's a big deal for them, man. So, uh, excited for them and we'll continue to see what happens and some kind of lining up for some good matchups this weekend as well. Yeah, man. So like uh, Alabama's are obviously just cream of the crop. They're the ones still holding <laughs> the reins there, but man, central Florida moves into the top 10, Washington's at seven, blah, whatever. But you know, you've got Oklahoma and Michigan still sitting there in decent position with LSU right behind them. Yep. Florida jumping up eight spots, which is huge. Texas jumping up ten spots. Jeez, that was even bigger. I mean, but, yeah. you know, you got teams that are still good. Kentucky obviously still warrants a ranking. They fall to 18. 
NC State pull, falls up or, or moves up to 20. They got a bye week, and then they're going to have Clemson, which that's when it's going to all the wheels come off for them, I believe. But <laughs> I mean, again, you like I said when we got on here, 11 unranked or 11 unbeaten teams, and when if you look at through this top 25, they're all here, and and, and the one that you know, was on the outskirts and just moved in was Cincinnati at number 25 at 6-0. and So yeah. Cincinnati, South Florida, UCF, all these teams that a lot of people, you know, you don't typically give a lot of love to, man. They find themselves unbeaten and unafraid right now. Yeah, something else to kind of keep our eye on, too, is that you do have three two-loss teams there in the top 25. Uh, Auburn sitting there at 21. Texas A&M getting up in there at number 22. And then Mississippi State crawling in there at number 24. Uh, two of those teams coming off of big wins. Uh, one of those teams coming off of a big loss. So uh, it would be interesting to see how they all begin to flip-flop over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, the, the teams that dropped from, from last week were, uh, at the time, you know, number 14, Stanford, number 20, Michigan State, number 24, Virginia Tech, and number 25, Oklahoma State. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, the, the top 25 week seven games of note, we're going to have number two, Georgia, at number 13, LSU, number seven, Washington, at number 17, Oregon, and number 12, Michigan, versus number 15, Wisconsin. So those... Those three matchups are very interesting. A lot of this is going to go into play when it comes down. To, you know, this is a huge game for Georgia. This right here could make or break. I mean, obviously a two win, a, a two loss team could still get in, but yeah. it's going to make it a lot harder if Georgia loses this game to LSU. So Georgia's going to have to figure it out quick to really, um, really jump out to a quick start and keep this LSU team at bay. I'm not saying that I'm not, you know, not saying anything about, you know, what could or could not happen and everything. But I tell you what, LSU coming off of a loss uh, to Florida this past weekend, I don't think is going to do any favors to those Georgia Bulldogs, man. It, uh, they're going to come in angry. Uh, I think they're going to come in really, really focused. And this is going to be an extremely tough matchup for uh, for Georgia, especially traveling to uh, LSU. Yeah, and, and no pun intended, but it's going to be a dogfight. Like seriously, yeah. these these two, these two defense are going to go at it. Whose offense is going to be the one that steps up? Are we going to see the Burrow that you know win against Florida? But again, Georgia has a, has just as good of a defense. So it's yeah. one of those things. They're going to be going back and forth. Who's going to step up and make the plays? Is it going to be Burrow? Is it going to be From? That's going to really decide it. I think. Um, and who's going to get the, that turnover when it's needed? You know, is it going to come down to a special team, a field goal? We'll see. But I'm very excited for that Georgia LSU game. Absolutely. So uh, this other game, the Oregon Washington. Okay, um, that one again. I'm not a buyer in Washington, so I'm going to lean more towards. And again, I know save your predictions for. But hey, I'm just going to flat out say it. Oregon. I'm pulling for them in this one, or I'm leaning more towards Oregon just because I sure. I've seen their offensive firepower. I, you know, they did choke against Stanford. I got it. But I think at the end of the day, there's just going to be too much for Washington. Yeah, uh, I tell you what, uh, that's going to be another really classic game right there. It's, it's going to be a good opportunity for Washington to prove that we've been wrong about them. And uh, I'm, I'm with you. I haven't necessarily jumped on that bandwagon either. Uh, I've picked against them a couple of times, and they've proven me wrong. But this right here will be an extremely tough matchup for them, and we'll see what happens. And I'm interested in this Michigan-Wisconsin game. I'm not a buyer. You know, I'm, I'm more leaning towards Harbaugh. Seems like he has his team playing good in the right at the right time. You know, um, Wisconsin. I've, I've watched them. They're similar to you know my my feeling again. They they just don't excite me. Uh, but you know, again, teams 
They're four and one for a reason. They're sitting at number fifteen. So Michigan better be ready. They don't need to get off to a slow start against this Wisconsin team, and that defensive line is going to have to hold up against this running attack from Wisconsin. Absolutely. I was getting ready to say, man, that if Wisconsin begins to flex its muscle and enforce its will on here, it's going to be a long day for Michigan. Neither one of these teams are flashy. Neither one of these teams are lighting it up. Uh, you know, they're not, this is not going to be an extremely high scoring game. I wouldn't, I wouldn't venture to say, but it is an opportunity for both of these teams to try to prove to the rest of the country that they're for real. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, brother, with all that said, out of all the top 25 matchups for week seven so far that we know about, and we have listed right in front of us. Who do you have on upset alert? And I have mine well, can, highlighted just for you. To know. <laughs> can it be? I mean, can we have as many upsets this week as we had this past week? I mean, I, I don't know about that. I tell you what, I, I know we mentioned them just a moment ago, but um, that that loss with that uh, that LSU got handed to by Florida this week has got me really even more highlighting that game against uh, against Georgia. Had, had they kind of gone in with both of them have been undefeated, I probably am leaning a little more heavily without even thinking about it uh, to Georgia. But I'm just telling you, man, something about coming off of that loss to Florida and now everybody's going to be talking about you, that you weren't as good as everybody thought you were. you got to come in there something to prove. Coach O's going to be ready. I know that Kirby Smart's going to have the Bulldogs ready. It's going to be a great game. But, man, I tell you what, Georgia better take this game extremely seriously because I have not been impressed with their starts as of late. Yeah, and I'm with you. I could buy that. I mean, I see, I see, I I can see what you're saying happening. I can see that that LSU comes in a lot, lot more hungry than they would be if they were undefeated. Um, and, and I could see Georgia taking advantage of that if they were both undefeated. I, you know, hopefully Georgia comes in ready because I want to yeah. see a good game. Um, yeah. LSU's defense is going to be ready. Coach O, like you said, is going to have that team ready to play. So I'm just I'm going to be tuned into that game, and I'm excited to sit down and watch that man. So I can buy that. But my my upset, like I, I've already said it, um, I'm leaning more towards Oregon. The Oregon Washington game is one of those games that you know I haven't been impressed with Washington. Washington could this is this is a time for them to actually impress me or, or impress everybody that's watching because again, Oregon is not a bad team. They found themselves having a bad loss against Stanford after getting up like they did, you know and and blowing that in the fourth quarter or in the second half. But it, but it comes down to, I haven't been impressed with Washington. I really think Oregon's going to come ready to play and actually um, you know, show everybody why they're ranked. You know, that's a, that's a great game to highlight there, and it'll be interesting to see what they do. There's one other game that just jumped out at me, and I didn't, I didn't really take a look at it there to begin with. Uh, but, man, with the way that West Virginia played against Kansas and the way that Iowa State played against Oklahoma State, that could be an interesting game to watch, especially because West Virginia's going on the road. We highlighted that Greer didn't play the, his greatest game or anything like that. Iowa State can put up points. The defense for West Virginia didn't play its best game against Kansas. That might be an interesting one to circle and highlight as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I see it, man. Um, I really agree with you. I like that. That was one I was kind of leaning towards talking about, um, but I reserved it. Um, and, and that's definitely going to be probably one that we throw in our picks and our predictions because I want to put my uh, spin on it. But man, brother, like like always and like the first four episodes, it was awesome. Um, I'm enjoying this, and, and thanks for your time, man. Hey, man, this is great. I'm enjoying it as well, man. It's a lot of fun to get on here and kind of just share our opinions and our thoughts about the college football world right now. Uh, man, I hope everybody else is getting a kick out of it as well, getting a chance to dive in a little bit deeper into some of these games and watching how it all plays out throughout a season. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, man. Um, so it's like when it comes down to it, guys, like I said before, 
We're on iTunes. We're on Google Play Music. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to the College Sports Hour podcast. If you enjoyed the show, check out our first four episodes at heroesmediagroup.com forward slash college hyphen sports hyphen hour hyphen podcast. Also, you can visit our website at collegesportshour.com where we continue the college sports conversation. We continue to post articles. We got two out today and we give our weekly predictions. So, guys, we also, you know, pick the 10 most important games where we highlight and make those predictions on. So, this podcast has been brought to you by McPherson Marketing Group. If you're in the market for anything digital marketing related, Check them out at mcphersonmarketing.com. We also want to give a special shout out to all our family and friends again who continue to support us and, and give us the time to do what we do. And don't forget, guys, to join us next week for another episode of the College Sports Hour.